0: Matthew 15 and verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to Him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But He answered her not a word. And His disciples came and urged Him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But He answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, help me. But He answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This may not be a part of the Gospels that you spend a lot of time looking at, but it's very important for a number of reasons. Certainly we understand and see there was a distinction at that time between the Gentiles and the Jews. And that Jesus is saying clearly at this point that He was sent for the sake of the Jewish people. This is in keeping with all the prophecies, everything that God had written in the Old Testament that He was going to send basically an olive branch to His people to make peace with Him. And we recognize as well that Gentiles were not to be excluded from the new order that Jesus was bringing about, but they were to be completely included. And we see the fullest expression of that in chapters like Acts 10 where we see the household of Cornelius, saved. But what happens before that, right? What about the Gentiles who had some measure of faith in God before the new law was given? What about the Gentiles that had faith before Jesus died on the cross? One of the things that I think becomes very clear about this woman in this account is this is a humble woman. This is not a woman that is uh, you know, puffing herself up and making herself known. This is not a woman who is parading herself as someone who is extremely important and therefore is due some measure of even niceness, you might even say. Because I'll tell you, the things that Jesus says here might be shocking even to us today, and certainly are. A lot of people look at the nicer, maybe the more fluffy sayings of Jesus. And while we need those just as much, we need the hard sayings of Jesus. And how awesome it is that this woman had such faith that she did not allow any perceived slights upon her to keep her daughter from being healed. I want to look at this passage today and discuss the concept of pride. We learn positive and negative things from every experience. From Jesus, we learn what to do, and at the same time, we learn what not to do. From the Pharisees and from others who are uh, resisting the Gospel message in the Gospels, we learn what not to do. And we also learn what to do. How awesome our God is that He has made it such that our minds can grasp in multiple angles to appreciate what He's given to us. And so I'd like for us to share a few things about pride today. And let's suppose, hypothetically, that this woman had gotten offended. Let's suppose that this woman was so prideful that she hadn't even sought Jesus in the first place. Let's suppose that her faith had been lacking. And make no mistake, when we are prideful, it destroys our faith. God cannot use a proud person, not for His glory. And so we need to remember that. First of all, let's consider that pride keeps us from seeking and seeing Jesus. I'll repeat these terms so we can maybe remember them. Pride keeps us from seeing, or excuse me, from seeking and seeing Jesus. So first of all, we understand that she goes on, she asks him for mercy. Now it's important for us to understand that mercy is something that is what we want, right? If we want to be healed, we need to seek God. And uh, certainly we recognize that That physical healing may not always occur, but we understand that spiritual healing is always within the Lord's grasp. Who can heal me spiritually? My family can't do it. My friends can't do it. My career can't do it. Although we sometimes act like it's possible, don't we? Only God can heal us. And so He's the one that we need to be seeking. But of course, we understand a lot of, uh, consider a lot of things uh, about this. My PowerPoint is acting up here. Okay, I don't really have a lot of this on here. Um, I may have lost a slide or something there, but we'll keep going on. Notice that she asks him for mercy. Look at verse, uh, verse 22. What is she asking for? Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. In Psalm 10 and verse 4, It says, the wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. We know that pride keeps us from knowing that we need God. We think we can fix all of our problems without Him. We often face times when we need to seek outside help, right? When we have physical problems, what are we going to do? We're going to seek a doctor. We're going to seek medication or something to that effect. But in our core, we need to remember and keep in mind that the only one to protect and help us is Jesus. And the sad fact is that the world tells us many things very differently. The world tells us don't pray to God, just suffer through it. The world tells us that if you have problems at work or a family crisis, don't listen to God. Just fix it in the ways that your worldly friends are telling you. Uh, Hurt back those who have hurt you. Right? That's what the world tells us. Fight back when you've been fought against. But God tells us something very differently. Worst of all is when we deny that we have sin in our pride. We will do that. What have I done wrong? Is there what? What's wrong with what I've done? We need to consistently ask ourselves: Is there something off about my behavior? And if we know about something, we need to work to correct it. So, seeing Jesus as who He is is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, pride will keep us from seeing Jesus as He as He's given to us. Look over in chapter twenty-two of Matthew. Matthew 22, please. Matthew 22, we'll be looking at verse 41. And wants to consider who is seeing in this. Now, certainly the Pharisees aren't even aren't seeking Jesus. They're, they're not looking for Him uh, to, to help them necessarily. But there are some things that they're just blinded to, and we need to see that. Matthew 22 and verse 41, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. This is the point in Matthew where all the questioning, all the tries all the, that the Pharisees have to try to trip Jesus up, it ends at this point. And why, why is that? Because He makes something very clear to them and maybe they begin to see it, but they don't want to see it. And so we become willfully blind when we don't try to seek Jesus. We blind ourselves to the true possibilities of wholly following Him. Think about all the powerful ways of Jesus. Think about who He is. Think about His control and His mastery and the way even over the elements He binds everything together and keeps everything together. This is His constant work. And we need constant reminders of who He truly is. Pride keeps us from admitting problems. Pride keeps us from understanding certain things. And... Uh, let me see if my... Okay. Something really messed up. Maybe the rest of it's okay. <laughs> Pride keeps us from admitting problems. This woman could have just come from the standpoint that, well, my daughter is in this place, but maybe she didn't, wouldn't have recognized that as a real problem. But of course, if we read the Gospels, we know that spiritual possession was a serious issue uh, that would... Endanger people's lives considerably. Especially when we read about the man in the Gadarenes who, uh, was not in chains because, you know, nobody could bind him. In the tombs, living in the tombs, cutting himself and crying in the middle of the night. This big man became the monster of that area. And so we recognize that was a problem, but unfortunately, we today, sometimes it's hard for us to be honest about our shortcomings, isn't it? Maybe we internalize our problems until they eat us alive. We know there's a time for us to examine and contemplate for ourselves. Is this really a problem? Is this really what's going on? Or maybe we have to have a time where we're asking, what is going on with me? What's wrong in this? But at the end, we need to remember that Christians are part of a great spiritual family. In 2 Corinthians 6, Paul makes some interesting statements to the Corinthians. Because he says in in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, consider what he's saying to them. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. We all have issues and things that we're struggling with. And we have to remember what Paul says here because what he's saying to the Corinthians is you need to be open to us. You need to be willing to share in our fellowship together. And the sad thing is pride warps our mind to the point where we think that nobody cares about us. That uh, all my Christian brethren and sisters, they don't care about me. And so we begin to restrict ourselves. We begin to pull away. The sad fact is, we need to remember we have a great spiritual family. That if all of us are doing what we ought to be, we ought to be ready and willing and waiting. If someone comes to us and says, hey, I'm having an issue with this, we try to help them. And we do not hold ourselves back as well. In James 4, verses 1-3, through He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So not only are we seeking God in a humble way, are we understanding our shortcomings so that we can properly be healed? See, if this woman... Came to Jesus and said, "Well, you know, maybe you can help with this." I, I, which, by the way, that's not her thought at all. Her thought completely is, "Jesus can help me." We need to know that Jesus can help us because He promises that. Matthew seven and verses seven through eleven: Ask and it will be given to you; seek and you will find; knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And Jesus makes a great comparison here. He says, Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, I love that phrase when Jesus says, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You see, part of faith is understanding and trusting in God's promises. When God says that if you ask, I will give it to you, we need to believe in Him and know that He can help us and not think that this is not going to help me at all. When we're proud, we ally ourselves with others who are prideful. And in the end, we believe that we don't need God because we have the world. Psalm 40 and verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord His trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Proverbs 15 and verse 25, the Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but He will establish the boundary of the widow. Do you feel put down? Do you feel like you're on the lower end of the totem pole? Do you feel like you're not important? Jesus knows you. And He wants to help you. You just have to trust in Him. You have to seek Him out. And you have to admit your problems. Not necessarily to others, but certainly to God. We have to understand our shortcomings so that we can be helped. Pride, however, will keep us from being persistent. Notice that this woman recognizes her her issues. She goes to Jesus. She seeks Him out. But at first, guess what? He doesn't say anything to her. He doesn't say anything to her. She keeps on asking, even when she, okay. Let me go back to previous, because the slide back here, somehow this got really messed up, so I apologize for this. She keeps on asking, even though Jesus says nothing. To gain some perspective on this, I'd like us to turn to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Luke 18. How do we be persistent? Well, Jesus tells an interesting and and useful parable for us uh, in Luke 18 and verse 1. Luke 18 and verse 1. Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to Him, saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while... But after what he said within himself, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him, though He bears long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will He really find faith on the earth? We need to be persistent in seeking God. It does really no benefit to us for us to pray about an issue once and think that that's it. God's going to take care of it now. It's not that God needs you know, some prayer meter to fill up with our number of prayers. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about consistently saying, Lord, I need help with this. Lord, please be there for me. Please listen to me. Isn't that the prayers that we see all throughout the Bible? Incline your ear to me. Listen to my issues. God knows this and he sees this. Have you ever tried to talk to someone and they act like they didn't hear you? It kind of feels bad, doesn't it? It it, it makes you feel like they don't care about you. And you know maybe they're hostile against you, maybe they maybe uh, Keep in mind this as well. When that happens, isn't there a possibility that they just didn't hear you? Isn't there a possibility that uh, they may be involved in something else? We have to give people the benefit of the doubt typically, right? And that's how Jesus' actions could have been misunderstood by this woman. This woman could have thought, well, fine, you know. I think a lot of us today would say, oh, he's not saying anything to me? Okay, forget about this. I'm going somewhere else for help. But no, she persists. God be praised. This woman is more humble than that. That she understands. There will be times where it seems as if God is not saying anything to us. There are going to be times in our life where we're even consistently looking for a solution to a problem and maybe it seems as if God is not helping us at all. Maybe we think He ignores us. But remember, we need to remember His promises. He wants us to be persistent. Now, not only does this woman continually be persistent, we notice that she also worships Him. That's a really big point. Here is a Gentile woman worshiping Jesus. She recognizes to some degree that He is the Son of David. Messianic qualities are coming out here. She's giving great appreciation for Him. Spending time in adoration for Him. And we know that proper and true worship is an act of humility. God sees that. Psalm 10 and 17, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. You think about all the things that we give up to worship God. If we really truly want to worship God completely and totally. I'm not just talking about right the services that we come to each week. I'm talking about day by day There should be a a mindset of worshipfulness toward God. And it just basically means I give everything to Him. I give every day to Him. Every hour, every minute is to be given to Him. Does that mean that you just sit in your room all day and sing songs and pray and read from your Bible? No. As I've said, there's nothing wrong with that by the way, but as I've said before, we need to employ more things into our daily life that are in worship to God. Have you ever been on a trip somewhere and maybe you want to just turn off the radio and just sing to God for a little while? Or pray to God. You can do that while you're driving. Don't close your eyes. (laughs) But think about the things that we give up to worship God. We give up our time. We give up our money. We give up our effort. We give up our focus. We may even have to give up friendships to properly worship God. And so this woman is laying it all on the line for Him. And some people may say, well, she only worships him so that her daughter is healed. Maybe so, but do we not worship God, at least initially, to get something out of it? Romans 2 and verse 7 refers that eternal life is for those who, by patient continuance in doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. There's the, there's the sense that the Christian is seeking glory, honor, and immortality. You know what that is? We're seeking that for ourselves. And that's not wrong. That's not selfishness. That is self-interest. That is knowing that worshiping God consistently and properly is the best thing for me in my life. And there is no greater use of my life than in dedication to my Father and in His will. It's all in how we seek His blessings. Are we doing it for our glory? Or are we doing it for His? Psalm 18, verse 27, You will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks now pride keeps us from being persistent we understand that she knows that jesus can help pride also keeps us from receiving blessings if i'm a prideful person if i'm holding on to my pride to the detriment of truly being humble then i can't expect any great blessings from god certainly the wicked are blessed but think how sad of a life is it when we get wrapped up in pride and we think that everything ought to be given to us. When we think that, that uh, people should be showering attention upon us every day. That's one of the greatest pitfalls of you know the internet or social media generation that's out there. Our interest is so totaled on how many likes we get, how many shares we get, how much attention we get from others... It interferes with our ability to be humble, and I would venture to say that based on what Jesus says to her in verse twenty six, most people today would if they hadn't left already, they would leave at this point. Think about what Jesus said to her. first of all, you know I'm not sin except that lost sheep of the house of Israel. she continues and persists and she said, he says... It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He tells this little parable and makes it very clear. Jesus is calling this woman a dog. Doesn't that sound insulting? Doesn't that sound degrading? Our Lord said it, didn't He? Why did He say it? Well, we've got to remember and think about this in context. Because at this time, the Gentiles were not a part of the people of God. The people of God were to be given the first chance, right? The first opportunity to be shown the Gospel. Unfortunately, when we look at things today, we know that getting offended is a national pastime, isn't it? People seem to love being offended because it happens so often. Of course, I'm being facetious. People hate being offended. But it seems to occur more and more every day. And it seems like every day, it's smaller and smaller and smaller things making people offended. So we have to ask questions when we consider this about why we're being offended. In fact, if we trust in God, it's going to take a lot to truly offend us. In Proverbs 28 and verse 25, He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. If I truly trust in God, then I'm going to see the truth about a situation. I'm not going to allow little things to offend me to the point that I miss out on the greatest blessings that God can give to me. I'm not going to allow pride to stop me from being humble. I'm not going to allow a prideful attitude to keep me from trusting in God. This woman, after being called this, she does not take offense. And this is a massive, massive thing for us to understand. Because if this Gentile woman cannot take offense, and in this, we're going to talk about this, that this is an act of faith in not being offended, what does that say about us and the things that we get offended by? I don't know about you, I've never been called a dog by anybody. And it seems like that would be a pretty bad insult. People use terms like that today, don't they? And terms like that really hurt. But what are we going to be offended by? Psalm 138 Though the Lord is on high, yet He regards the lowly, but the proud He knows from afar. If you're offended by something, you need to ask yourself this question, am I offended by wickedness? Or am I offended by the truth? Am I offended because someone brought something about to me in the wrong way? Maybe someone brings the truth to me in a prideful way. And that's wrong. And we recognize that. And that needs to be dealt with. But guess what you do? You talk to that person. And you say, I appreciate what you're sharing with me, but maybe you could have said it kinder. I'll tell you, there's always room for us to be kinder. And we need to remember that. There's always room for us to be nicer. If we want to be allied with God, we better be offended by the wrong things and not just be offended by the truth. If I'm offended because someone shared something with me that makes me see the issues that I need to correct, I better be honest about it. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. You know, The more we hold on to our pride and relive our offenses, the greater they'll become, the more powerful they'll become. And some people treat their offenses as their best friends that they can't get along without. They have to hold on to that offense so that they can just wrap it up inside them. They think that's what powers them. That's what helps them. I'm sorry if you're doing this, you are paying the highest price. While the one who may have offended you may have moved past all of this, and maybe you need to have a discussion with them about this. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Proverbs 16, 18. If I want to get the best out of life, I've got to get rid of my pride. If I want the best out of life, I've got to be humble and understand that God is here to help me. And my brothers and sisters are here to help me. How awesome is it that this woman recognizes all this and she recognizes it in a time when Gentiles are so detested and loathed by the Jews that those who were the leaders of the Jews after coming in from the marketplace would have to wash their hands and cleanse themselves just in case they had touched a Gentile. That's how serious it was at that time. But this woman in humility shows great faith. And it's the lack of offense, right? What does she say? She goes along with His parable, doesn't she? She says, yes, Lord, I am a dog, but at least I can get some crumbs. She knows that Jesus is not literally calling her a dog. She knows that what Jesus said to her is not meant to be an insult, but to make clear the distinction that Jesus has. And because, look at this, because of this statement, He says to her, O woman, great is your faith. How awesome! How awesome a commendation from our Lord. Jesus emphasizes this faith and God often emphasizes, by the way, the faith of Gentiles in Scripture. 2 Kings 5 verse 15, this is just a smattering here. We see Naaman who is healed from his leprosy. And he says in 2 Kings 5 15, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. That is an awesome statement by a Gentile. God looks at that and He says, that's what I want. That's the kind of faith that I want. In Luke 7 and verse 9, He hears the words of the centurion. This Gentile man, He says, Lord, You don't have to come to My house and heal My servant. I know You can do it right now. And Jesus marvels at him. Turns around and looks to the crowd that follows. He says, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. God appreciates faith. That's really what, what it comes down to. Acts 10 and verse 4. When he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Cornelius's good works. God saw them. God appreciated them. And he understood that Cornelius' faith was such that he sent Peter to him. Hebrews 11.31. I think this is one of the most powerful examples. Where we see a harlot remembered in the Bible. And many of you know who I'm talking about, right? Hebrews 11.31 By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. You know what? God appreciates faith. And God will emphasize our faith. How awesome it is that He has opened it up to all of humanity. All who want the living waters can come to the fountain, And that includes you and that includes me and that includes all of us. And we can be glorified in proper faith. And when we get rid of pride, we can have that proper faith. Why did God honor all these people? Think about that. There's more passages that we can look at in terms of Gentiles, by the way. Um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar himself, after he learns of the one true God, there's a whole chapter of the book of Daniel that's written by him. Why did God honor these people? Because for Gentiles, they were the exception to the rule what was the majority of the Gentile nations like? They didn't know God. They didn't care about God. They embraced pagan religions. They embraced uh, lies. They embraced idols. When we think about true humility, we need to see its relation to holiness. It's in many ways separate. And so when we're talking about ourselves being holy, talking about being humble, and pushing pride away, it means that I'm going to be different. Most of the world is going to be puffed up with pride, but the humble are going to be small in number. That's what God promises us. And we need to remember that if we learn humility, we can be the exception and not the rule. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was saying, I'm going to hold to my weakness because what the world perceives as weakness is strength to God. So we've got to stop listening to the world. We've got to stop listening to lies out there that tell us we've got to fight back just as we've been fought against. We've got to insult just as we've been insulted. We've got to offend just as we have been offended. Those are lies. And we need to stop being deceived by the world. And understand that God wants us to be humble to understand that faith is wrapped up in humility. And if I have the proper amount of faith, it's going to take a whole lot to properly offend me. And you know, even then, even when we do get offended, you know what happens? Jesus tells us what to do, doesn't He? If we read Matthew 18, He tells us, if your, if your brother's offended you, you need to go and talk to him. It's awesome. Our God is awesome. He's thought of everything. How glorious are His ways. And of course, the fullest extent here, her faith, this woman's faith, leads to her daughter's healing. Do you think her daughter would have been healed if she had gotten offended at one point by Jesus and left? I don't think so. Do you think that we will be able to have healing if we get offended and just leave the Lord? I don't think so. Remember, verse 28. There's no healing without faith. Again, Proverbs 18.12, Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. And before honor is humility. If I want to be healed, I need to be humble. Psalm 149, verse 4, For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. He doesn't say that we need to pride ourselves up and puff ourselves up like the rest of the world does. If we do that, we can't expect salvation. If we do that, we cannot expect for Him to heal us. And so... I want us to really consider these things, especially as we bow and pray to God right now. Our holy Lord, we recognize that you want us to have humility in our lives. We know that we have a world that is continually trying to push us to be more and more prideful, to puff ourselves up, to make ourselves feel special and better. But we know we need to remember as well, Lord, that we're special to You. And we're always special to You. And it doesn't matter what the world thinks. If we're special to You, then that is greater than anything else. We pray, Father, earnestly, You'd look into our hearts now. We pray that You would work within us now to get rid of any pride in our hearts, to recognize and understand that we can trust in You, resolve our differences among each other, resolve primarily our differences with You. We pray that each one of us, every one of us here, considers these things. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Help us to turn from these things and to work toward healing. For we know that it's coming. We know that You will heal us. Thank You so much, Lord, for Your Son Jesus through whom we have that healing. Bless us and keep us, Father. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen we come to that time again, you need to consider, we all need to consider, what's the status of my soul? How does God look at me? Do I have blemishes? Is there something wrong with me? I need to be a living sacrifice that's pure and perfect before God. And God can make us pure and perfect. So if you want to become a Christian this morning, we want to open up that invitation to you. It's always open. But certainly right now, we want to invest this time for you to think about becoming a Christian this morning, giving yourself completely to the Lord, submitting to His will in baptism, to be raised to walk in newness of life. If you are a Christian, and you recognize that you have not lived in a way that's glorified God, and maybe you need to get rid of your pride, we want to help you with that as well. Please come while we stand and sing.